and tech. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. All right, good afternoon. It's 4.30. We're airing from Austin, Texas. Wonderful place where there's lots of rain and peaking sunshine today. We've been getting a lot of rain this week. Um might sound a little under the weather today because I have a cold. I have a summer cold. I'm not going to be able to to conceal it today because that's what's going on. So I just figured I'll do my frank and earnest and tell the listeners I'm sounding a little under the weather because I am a little under the weather. So um, thanks everybody for joining. Um, let me do a quick vaccine injury data update. Uh, There are reports of COVID vaccine injury data, 143,233% increase in cancer-related reports. So when something goes wrong inside a cell's DNA, the the cell fires a signal that tells the other cells, I've gone bad, please kill me. This early warning helps the immune system stop cancer cells from multiplying. It stops a virus from replicating. So it's a very important early response tool that works across the whole body. So recent studies suggest that COVID-19 vaccines may be damaging this early warning because of the mRNA. Uh, Fundamentally, they are changing how our immune system reacts to the cancer cells and new infections. We don't know if that's a temporary change. Our frontline health, on frontline health, they share a story of a perfectly healthy man who developed stage three esophageal cancer five months after taking his second dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. His wife believes it was the jab that spiraled her husband's health out of control. Her suspicions are supported by a huge spike in cancers that have been reported to the vaccine-averse adverse event reporting system, or the VAERS, since the start of COVID-19 vaccinations. So, when you play around with the mRNA, uh, bad things can go wrong. So, I'm not surprised that there might be a cancer side effect in some people, depending on how they're, they're predisposed. I didn't know it was a large number, but you know, 143,000 in context to the whole population is a small, small percentage, but that's still a lot of people. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and run the PSA that you may have heard before, but I'll just run it again in case you know of somebody who may need to report. Hello everyone, this is Sheila, host of the Unsanctioned Citizen and That AI Show. I wanted to share a little bit about the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program as part of the HRSA. You or someone you know from an illness or disability symptoms after taking a vaccine, please contact the Health Resources and Services Administration to learn more about the resources available to you that could help you and many others. For claims associated with the COVID-19 vaccine or other COVID-19 related countermeasures, please file your request for benefits with the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. Please visit injurycompensation.hrsa.gov to learn more and tell a friend. Okay. I'm telling all, all the friends in the room that that exists, so the HRSA is there for you. If, if you or no, someone you know may have had a struggle due to the vaccine. So, I mean, it's just a medicine, and sometimes medicines go wrong. Um, I, don't, I don't have a particularly religious attachment to the mRNA <laughs> vaccine, <laughs> and so <laughs> my ability to do this show... Um, <laughs> and be the type of heretic that I am, you know, saying, well, you know, maybe something went wrong, you know, and, and of course, for saying so, for saying that there may have been a flaw with the vaccine, at some point during the last eh, 11 months, 
Somebody might have said, you are a bad person. You're a bad guy. Um, but I still am entitled to at least levery that out there as, as a truth. So the, the topic of the day, I'll just migrate whoop, over here to the fascist is as fascist does. Now, just for salt, I'm just going to go look up the definition of fascist so that we all have the same information. Okay. Fascism, a system of government marked by the centralization of authority under a dictator, a capitalist economy subject to stringent government controls, violent suppression of the opposition, and typically a policy of belligerent nationalism and racism. Two, a political philosophy or movement based on advocating such a system of government. Three, oppressive dictatorial control. Okay, so the, that's the uh, American Heritage Dictionary definition of fascism. So, people are throwing it around, saying, eh. Okay, so May says that that definition is wrong. It's wong. Weong. <laughs> and then Charlie says Mussolini's de definition is simple. The merger of corporate and state power. I, I think that that's, that's a fair assessment. That's always been my understanding of what fascism is. It's when large corporate interests merge their powers with a large centralized government. That's, that's been my understanding of it. So, um, you're welcome to call in and tell us what you think, but I am doing this show because some people's PR answer to everything is to call the rival op opposing side when they have a point and they've really got them on something. Let's just say they've done something quite fascist and, uh, then they're called out for being fascist they just label the other side fascist. So, it doesn't really work that way. You know, if you're going to if you're going to slap a label on somebody and it's merited, they're like this, this is clearly this fascist thing that was done. You know, they they got the government to do the corporation's laundry for free and then the taxpayers had to foot the bill. Um that's kind of fascist. So, but people throw it around when they don't like what the other one is doing these days, presuming that we don't know the meaning of fascist. You know, we'll just call somebody a Nazi or a fascist because they're being too authoritarian and, or they're, they're taking too much dictatorial control, which is, which is what I think most people are using it for. But sometimes when people are being too strident with their assertions and they want more control than they actually have earned, deserved, or were appointed to do, and they're behaving in an authoritarian, autocratic way, they'll still call the other side a fascist. So I'm going to go back to the chat here. Um, the Ginger Ninja says, yes, it's thrown around too loosely these days. You know, I'll just agree that, that both both people are paintballing each other fascist if there's two sides each side is paintballing the other one fascist and it may be that this is done so that one it lowers the standard so that fascism is acceptable which is unacceptable and two nobody knows who the real fascists are unless the people who look at behaviors and understand what fascism is I'll take your calls Nobody wants to call in today. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to rap on this for a little bit. I'm gonna have to roll, do some spoken word on fascism today. What we know fascism to be and the most you know, in most dictionary pictures, there's Mussolini and Hitler standing together in a black and white photo. That is the dictionary picture of fascism. So, uh, according to Wikipedia, you know, 
the everyman's uh, internet encyclopedia. Fascism is a far-right, authoritarian, ultra-nationalist political ideology and movement characterized by a dictatorial leader. Why don't we just go there? Let's just go look at dictatorial leadership. What is a dictator? You know, and the stub redirects to dictator. A dictator is a political leader who possesses absolute power. The dictator is a state ruled by one dictator and a small clique and or a small clique clique of political aficionados. The world the word originated with the title of a Roman dictator elected by the Roman Senate to rule the Republic in times of an emergency. Isn't that interesting? So in Rome where the term was coined it was a response of republic, someone leading the republic in the time of an emergency, such as this, the COVID emergency that just ceased because the CDC said, no more emergency. So I think we're done with emergency rule, but they're not done being dictators in some constraints. So we looked at some of the behavior. What is the behavior Oh, oh, uh, it's being likened to being a tyrant, an autocrat, um, suspension of elections and civil liberties, proclamation of a state of emergency, rule by decree. And what is rule by decree? That's Well, that's a style of government allowing quick, unchallenged promulgation of law by a single person or group, which is what Anthony Fauci was and did. Okay? It allows the ruler to make a change, you know, of laws or rules without a legislative approval, while intended to allow rapid responses to a crisis. By the rule by decree is often abused by authority. I'm being effective. I just want everybody to know that. Someone always calls my phone when I'm saying something important. Um. So that that's what that's what that means, you know. When somebody is doing a rule by decree, there's a state of emergency such as martial law. That's the typical one. And uh, but you know, this COVID pandemic was kind of a, a soft martial law. You know, they, they weren't going to send the police because the police became very unpopular during this this uh, time of you know rule by decree. And uh, so, when in a state of emergency, so I'm really not a big fan of state of emergencies where they don't have a time limit. Now, emergencies are not, it, emergencies are short-lived, okay? Protracted emergencies are Hosni Mubarak in Egypt, okay? So, while rule but decree is easily susceptible to the whims and corruption of the person in power such as Fauci uh, it is also highly efficient a law can take weeks or months to pass in a legislature you know it, it suffers from debate uh, but it can be edited with ease by a leader ruling by decree see it's so simple so direct see and this is what makes it valuable in emergency situations which will be shall be protracted, you know, indefinitely, so that you can rule by decree and be a dictator. See how that works? See how that works? And then that that supports fascism. Okay, and it just so happens. I'll take your call in just a second. It just so happens that this is the choice of leadership in corporations. They tend to say in books and in many speaking engagements that, you know, large corporations are small dictatorships. So I'll, now I shall take your call. Fauci's a fascist. Fauci's a fascist. Uh, uh. Hello? Yes. Hi, Nate. That was, that was a beautiful tune. Thank um, you. Yes. So it's nice to know that even when you're sick, you still have not lost your... Uh, Ability to come up with a jingle, jingle yes. on the fly. Um, 
So I just, uh, it just dawned on me that the climate crisis will now be the new emergency, right? Mm. right? It, we transitioned from the pandemic into a climate emergency. Mm-hmm. Do and, not trust. Right. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because I feel like what's happening with Dutch farmers and, you know, it's, of course, it's not here in the U.S., but, you know, you're going to have, I think you're going to increasingly see this series of moves by governments using the climate crisis as the justification. Crisis. It's so much easier, like, as you said, it is so much easier than to try and go through a democratic or consensus driven uh, environment and and but it needs to suffer debate absolutely yeah and and the debate was missing the debate was just not there during the pandemic i remember being pulled over by this this weird you know what life is such a strange strange tour I had uh, I came very close to somebody who was working really close, Mark Benioff at Salesforce, who was one of the turned out to be a character who was very in favor of vaccine passports. I didn't know this at the time, but he was he was very in favor of the passports, and one of the people in government who adopted his his uh, his religion um, was Justin Trudeau. Oh, yes. And the other the other couple of governments, these coastal governments that went for it was Jay Inslee and the people of New York. So I wouldn't say all of the people of New York because there was definitely dissent, but they were not recognized because there was no debate in this because Dr. Fauci, you know, whatever, whatever the State Department's vector, uh, NIAID... Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it was some some cabal combo. That small clique um, of the people with Fauci, the State Department, and then people kind of having these uh, unique interplays. We might want to talk about what happened with Mark Zuckerberg and some of these social media companies. With their selective deletion of certain informations. Can I say informations? It's just information. Informations. Informations, yes. I think yes. I think on your own show, hopefully you're still allowed. I'm not allowed to really openly maul the English language. I'll call it information. It's plural. It's fine. Um, but I, I maybe I should just go there. I should say that the social media companies were manipulated by certain agents of the government they made it worth their while either through payment or through coercion uh one one or both you know because with the american government i have found that when they're going to be fascist they can be really effective um and they'll they will do both they did do both but i think they're they're best i think the u.s government is best at doing it you know they're best at doing it subtly and i think they probably how did they do it they did it subtly well, because look at, you know, you have a long history of, and it's not like we're the only state that does it, but I think you've got, like, the CIA has a long history of being very, very good at this. Yes, and... but they're supposed to be foreign directed. They're not Correct. supposed to come come stir up the, the trouble. And here's well, the other problem, is that the CIA and these foreign directed agencies, I'm going to interrupt you really quick, did come in and muddle the American election. And so for, for that reason alone, the three-letter agencies need to be not just be reorganized. They need to be – got to be careful because, you know, the CIA is, is not a law enforcement agency, okay? They're a foreign-directed agency to gather intelligence, and then in some cases they'll do some dirt work, dirty dirt, dirt, dirt bad guy work. Um. But they've become now, like, after they leave the agency, a lot of them have become, like, these rental units by corporations or corporatized governments. Like, they'll use ex-CIA to 
say, knock over competitors in a foreign nation. And I think that that is, that is pure poison. They shouldn't be able to... Blurring to the this. lines. Blurring the lines between private and government. Yeah, public the and process, private. Or public and private, excuse me. Yeah, I, it, it scares me. I, I, you know, I didn't used to be fearful of those agencies per se, but I, I feel like what happened during the Trump administration is that, and while I don't have proof of this, I'd be willing to place a large bet on it that mm-hmm. elements within those three-letter agencies um, saw him as an existential threat, used that in their minds to justify taking certain steps that would not normally, that are quite Taking illegal. steps with whom? Well, that's a great question. It's a great question. I think with the media, for oh, sure, okay. certainly. And I think that that's pretty clear with, you know, the Steele dossier and... Ah, uh, okay. Yes. And so the le- legitimization of information that after the fact would found would be found out to be untrue, but because our media is so hell-bent on being you know, the first to report something in one and clicks that, you know, the, you know, and due to their relationship with Trump, I think they were all too glad to be, to play fast and loose with the verification of, of information and stories. And right. They also want, they want control over what, what is information. So I'm just going to read a few other sentences here. A wide variety of leaders coming into power, in different kinds of regimes, such as one-party states, like the People's Republic of China, dominant party states, and civilian governments under personal rule, have been described as dictators or dictatorships. So I'm going to read you a short list. Uh, Joseph Stalin, uh, the Communist Party of the former Soviet Union, Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, Chairman of the Chinese Communist Party Benito Mussolini, um, King Kim Il Sung, former Supreme Leader of North Korea. There are also religious dictators. Uh, think of any of the Ayatollahs, uh, but they're not considered fascists. They're they're totalitarians, but they're not fascists. Well, now is that because they are not? Why are they, they're not fascist because they're not part of a nation state because they're religious and yeah I, the the there is a uh, broader hierarchy based on the the proliferation of the religion so it is it is seen as as a religion of the people I think in that case but fascism is is neither it's an economic it's an economic appropriate economic term. correct yeah right. yeah. Because it is capitalist, so I'm going to bring you up to the to the top to the speakers list, and we're going to take take a few uh, notes from Mr. Bilotti. So I invite you to speak right now, and then we're going to make Bilotti the next caller. That way, we can keep this conversation going. Hello, Bilotti. How you doing? Hi, how you doing? How you doing? One thing I learned, believe it or not, like maybe about a little bit over a week ago, or relearned because I already knew I knew it from F. A. Hayek's book on serfdom where he's Whoa. clearly where he clearly says communism socialism and fascism are the are, are each other's d- different side of the same coin why did yeah, they're, they're all brothers exactly so when you have a centralized government with an ideology all based on uh, as, as as the government as god over in an overarching way uh suppressing the people when they're their subordinate and they're submissive to them doesn't matter if it's authoritarian dictatorship to the right wing like in chile back in the 70s with pinochet or or or, uh, adolf hitler nazi or joseph stalin it's the same government by a different name and and they're in control of everything and the people don't really have true freedom Mm -hmm. the same bs uh last week when i was in the pangburn the guy, there's a guy, philosopher, they call him B, I don't know his real name, and he said the same thing that I believed in, so that's why I didn't have a hard time. Man, did he rattle the cages and ruffle the feathers of all, everybody in there. Now, they what kept was on it talking that he about, said? 
What did he well, say? Well, he said it, he said exactly what I'm telling you. Fascism, communism, social, all that nonsense, Marxism, and fascism, all are all from the same coin. Two sides, whatever you want to put it. You want to put it Francisco Franco from Spain, uh, Mussolini from Italy. It's the same BS. Same it is. nonsense. It is. It's, and, it's a and, centralized, it's centralized government that's merged with uh, capitalistic aims to exactly. run the government. Together, they run the government together. And I noticed where. Vote. Go ahead. I noticed where the, the guys try to get them on with, but what about if it's capitalism, if it's men like Trump or somebody with, you know, Trump wasn't a fascist, but of course, if it's corporate America running the government, he goes, it's still going to be a form of fascism. It's, it falls in line. The only thing is going to take a new look, a new type. He goes, if you look at uh, Nazi Germany, uh, Adolf Hitler didn't destroy his economy. It didn't destroy his capitalism. It took control of the company. Mm-hmm. They were doing his bidding. They were getting rich, but they were doing his bidding. They were working in unison. That's why they, they wasn't. A, but it was a fascist state because if they didn't do what he wanted, they would die. They would be killed. You know. Okay, so we're not we're not really. I, mean, I wouldn't describe. Let's just go to the, the current, you know, state of play. There are fascistic appeals there are there Joe Biden isn't an overt fascist he is indulging fascism in a very uncomfortable way um Zelensky is a fascist he is an authoritarian dictator and an autocrat he doesn't get billed as such he's been painted not. in the west as as this you know paragon of morality for fighting what? the Russians He's exactly. He's such. He is a paragon of morality because he is willing to put Ukrainian lives in front of American lives and basically meet an American political end without the expenditure of of his own either. people. Yeah, right. Just so use us. He's a. Yeah, I, that's how I look at it. That's how I see it. I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure that's how many many in Washington see it. Otherwise. You know. Well, you know what? Here's I know I'm not going to get a vote in this, but I I hope that everyone who voted in favor of this bill will just spend a few weeks on the front lines in, in Ukraine. If they really believe it, I hope that they'll just opt in for a few weeks on the front line of the Ukrainian-Russian border and uh, just 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 go out there and and prove their love for the Ukrainian state and Zelensky that way. Yeah, I. Anybody? That's, <laughs> yeah, in my, in my wildest dreams. In my wildest dreams, and that's I think you know it's it's interesting how on those the day of those votes there was hardly any media coverage of it, mm-hmm. and that was not the story. And you know if you look at things that impact the course of our country that should be a massive story that we're committing this huge amount of money I want to say something now I want to say something now okay and so one of the tenets of fascism is that it rejects assertions that violence is automatically negative in nature and views imperialism political violence and war as a means that can achieve national rejuvenation. Now, I get nothing out of the Ukraine conflict. I, I mean, I get zero. I get higher taxes. That's what I get. Okay? Now, I mean, I'm sure the Ukrainian people are awesome. I'm sure they deserve to not be bombed by Russia. But that's not my my job as an American to protect their interests. Uh, they did not join NATO. You know who did join NATO? Uh the, the person who shares a really large border with Russia, Finland. And and I'm not surprised. If I were a 36-year-old socialist with a, sharing a large border with, with, with Putin, I would have, like, okay, here it is. I got, I got one chance. I better take it. So, I mean, I don't blame the girl. I don't blame Santa for doing that. Santa Marin, who's the... Who's mm-hmm. the you know, the hot Russian PM. No, sorry. Finland, Finnish PM. I'm so sorry. No, no. I, I should not call her Russian. Finnish PM who, who went dancing and got, got kind of pulled over for it. Um, but all the kind of aside, uh, I don't 
think that that is our, our place. It's not our place to go in there and tell them how to run their oil economies. You know, we have our own oil stuff, our own energy stuff going on over here. And I believe in voluntary diversification as a Texan, this is a you know traditional Texas value, is that we have we have a, a diversification of resources. And I see that, you know, after we let Blotty speak, it cut my listenership in half. So thanks, Blotty. Thanks for stating that truth, man. It just it was like dawn degrees. Like, we can't have that here, man. Well, I mean I'm, you're just gonna I'm have sorry, to take I, that. I apologize. Pill. Yeah. yeah. Well I'm... you know, a lot of these people too politically correct, too snowflakey. I I get banned. I get I get I get canceled on a week. You get melted. Basis. Well, you're not going to get canceled yeah. here. <laughs> Thank you. I know you're a fellow warrior, fellow American, a true American who believes in the God. You see, I'm not I'm not nasty. I mean, I can't get nasty in those forums, but I'm not nasty. I just tell them the truth, and they hate it. Let me give you an example. I was with that guy next door, Rudy yesterday and he was talking about oh, reparations Rudy. and racing and and he didn't like it when i when he was kept on barking about the reparations and look what they did to the blacks and okay i understand bro okay and okay. you try to bring in the brand but i go there's a problem i go what are you doing for the black man what are you doing for the those sexually trafficked slaves right now with those little kids and girl girls being brought on the border and what are you doing for the homeless and he oh. did not like that and i go nay right you were saying nay right like no right oh. i go what are you doing for them you're crying about two, three hundred years ago, but you're not doing anything today for anyone. So where is your justice? See, this, this is the fault of a lot of these leftist socialists, left-wing progressive, I'm Bernie Sanders type Marxists. Their weakness is they're not doing shit for anybody, yet they live in with a pie in the sky that they want, a okay. utopia. Okay, I'm bringing you up to, to, to the, the gallery, Lottie, <laughs> and we're going to let Josh talk. Okay. Make it, we're gonna make it make Josh the next speaker. Now, before we all get get going here, before we all get going, I need to indicate that some of the other things that are associated with the greatest hits of fascist rule are genocide, massacres, forced sterilizations, mass killings, and forced deportations. Go ahead, Josh. You guys, are you guys prepared now? I, it had to boot me, and then I could come in, so I could get prepared. Um, so I want to two things like I, I don't want to conflate COVID with climate. Um, well, good. They're not the same. Thank <laughs> God. But in regards to our part, uh, our approach to climate change and what we perceive to not be a climate crisis, the crisis is disaster capitalism. Um, and that's not a leftist thing to say. It's a non-fascist it is a fascist, thing to say. That, that's a fascist identifier right there. It's a flag. What is? You hear that? Well, that, that where, where we have a, an emergency rule? And, uh, and what was it that you just said? What was it that you just said? That we had corporations indicating the, the rules for how the national emergency shall go? as in Pfizer, Moderna. Moderna yes. is a good example. Okay, Moderna ha bought a huge banner on the side of the U.S. Open, and now Mr. – what's his – Jankovic, the guy who's who's legendary international who, who, player, can't get in. couldn't travel because he wouldn't get the freaking vaccine? Get, yeah, he wouldn't get the shot. He wouldn't take his medicine, so they're not going to let him play the U.S. Open. So, you know Ooh, what? I don't if watch we're tennis. Gonna, I mean, I, you know, but lots of people do, and I think it's just it's a self-deprecation of our whole system. We're saying we're gonna we're gonna allow this by rule by decree, you know, because Mr. Biden could change this tomorrow. He could change it tomorrow, and and the what people are really asking when they say on the news, well, all these. All these people with no no credential, you know, asylum from anywhere can come over the border un uninterred, like they they're not stopping them whatsoever. They're just they're just flooding in. There's they claim title forty two on a on a Tuesday. 
And they're just getting in everywhere, being flown to everywhere in the United States. They're definitely being bused to Washington, uh, D.C., and dumped there. I took the flight. I took the flight with some people who I'm quite sure, actually some miners who were um, who were going somewhere back east. Unaccompanied um, miners from, from the well, border? Yeah, I mean, they had a, a guardian, but, you know, it was, yeah, it was three boys. I... I I presume either brothers, but um, yes, it was just very, very obvious that that. Yeah. Did you and, say and how, something, how... Nate? You saw something, Nate. Did you say something? Well, uh, it's one of those things. Who do you say it to? You know that they're they're being. I'm being sarcastic. It, yeah, I know. Well, of course. Like, what do you do? You know, well, I'm glad you're being sarcastic. I, it's not. It's not that I want people like you know. It's not that I want anything bad to befall them, but when you live, when you hear about it, then you actually see it and you live with it. I mean, being in Albuquerque, you know, it's which is a border state. I mean, New Mexico is a border state. They don't get as much play as say Texas and and um, California, but but they are a border state. Very. I mean, it's just over the years as things have very. I mean, they've very much changed, and in that regard too. Um, it's, you know, but if you live, if you don't live here, it's not necessarily, you know, a lot of these stories don't get picked up nationally, but they are happening. You know, it's like, that was one experience from one person on one flight from Albuquerque to, uh, to Dallas, but Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was very real. And, um, that's why we have the show so that you can say things like, what you just said, I saw it myself. It's happening. Right. This and is that's, real. That's that's right. And I'm not making a, uh, you know, I'm not making a mass judgment call beyond that. But I think it's important for people to at least speak about it for it to be a public acknowledge. Like, like if we're not, mm-hmm. if we agree to not speak about the things that we see for some reason. Especially something so public that is just all around us. I don't. I, I guess I don't understand that. What What does that mean? Does that mean? Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means. But it's it's not good, and it seems like it's a, a subtle form of pressure that um, that that nothing good can come from, right? Like, well, let me at- let me go to this. I think that Biden is making um, shifting steps towards dealing with the border. And it's important that as a world leader of the United States that he do this. I mean, he's been delayed in doing anything about it. And he is making shifting steps towards doing something about the border. What I would really like if I had my like pencil and paper wish list right here to just give to the policy department at the Biden administration I would say um, skip all the posturing and just go directly to murdering the cartels that's it I mean Whoa. Do, do not do not well do not wait I mean I mean go in there and, and take their guns out we have lost I mean, the drug get war. rid of the, the cartels I mean, go oh my in. god you're gonna be muted now mr okay, <laughs> go fine. in there Get their guts, throw them into the shark-filled oceans, and and then get rid of them. Say goodbye to all of them. They are garbage people who are destroying the United States. They are enemies of the United States, okay? Mexico does nothing about them. I don't think they're citizens of Mexico anymore. You know, they think that they're the government. They're a parallel government of the nation-state of Mexico. They They are a cancer, and they should be eliminated. I absolutely do not... I don't disagree with any of that. And I, I think that it's it's sad that the American people, most of them don't realize just how powerful those entities have become. Um, I mean, there are there are, have been murders here in Albuquerque that this would not happen. Uh, I mean, this is clearly organized. It's clearly, you know, like at one point, this is maybe a year or two ago, a, a, a torso was found. You know, mm. behind, and you know, it's like okay, this man was murdered, 
and we're working to identify who this person is. But, you know, you don't find murders like that just anywhere. To, you know, that is a, oh, that's a gangland, you know, cartel style execution that was meant to send a signal. And that stuff is bleeding over. It's not just the drugs. Mm-hmm. It's it's the violence. It's the co-option of of democratically elected government. It's the I squatting, mean, it's... dude. I, I think what did it for me is when I realized they were going they were going into El Paso and shooting up, you know, traditionally like Mexican American neighborhoods that had they were always peaceful, always safe, and things changed. I mean, they I... become they became a territory in a uh, in a skirmish border war driven by the cartels and like this is america no part of this do you own no part of it shall you dominate no part of it do you have any piece of they should be erased i'm sorry i'm usually never somebody who says such things but you know what they're committing war against my people and they need to go bye-bye I, I believe they're 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 starting a new type of remember the Alamo in a different way, but remember yeah. the Alamo. If you get people riled up, and Texas is known for guns, they'll take them out. You don't need border patrol. Let them let them come in, but keep an eye on them. Mm-mm. No, we you know? need. I mean, I think the only way to really it's going to require something massive because so much of you know so much of the Mexican government is bought off. Um, journalists can barely report yeah, anything. They're, 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 you know, it's everybody. journalist's death of the week. I'm so sorry, Nate. Go ahead. Yeah, everyone. No, no, don't apologize. Everyone lives in fear. Um, you know, when you actually speak with or hear from people who live there, um, you know, it's it's beyond dire, and it's it's a shame that the only the only time we can hear about it are on podcasts like this or, or calling shows like this uh you know sometimes you'll hear it on a podcast of somebody that worked in the you know the the federal uh police over there in mexico or another related agency and they're speaking because they got out but you never hear anybody that is actively working there you know living down there i, I mean because they know it'll mean their life and um and that's that's, that's a covert di- dictatorship that's a that's a narco tyranny that's what they oh, call a narco tyranny. Yeah, I, it, is is that what it's called? Because honestly, yeah, it's it's I, a narco tyranny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it it and I've never heard that term. Probably probably because mm. I think this is the first. I mean, I can't think of any other example. Uh, probably is, but Mexico kind of stands alone as being. I, I mean, it's so it's so corrupt. It's so violent. That, Mexico uh, is a is a new is a new Colombia meet. Everything that that when there was Pablo Escobar, and all all the crime and the horrors that he did and the corruption within the government, uh, is happening to Mexico in one way or another. Mm-hmm. If, if this is not ending, it's because the cartels are paying like they do in Sinaloa. They pay mm-hmm. off the entire town. Joshua, they I start... want you to notice the three speakers up here in the gallery. Nate is from New Mexico, I'm living in Texas, and Blotty is living in Southern California. I just want you to notice. I, I, what, what, the, what does that mean? We're all on the border states, man. Do you think that I was oblivious to that fact? No, no. I just, I just wanted to point it out to you because you're, you're sitting up there in the, in the Pacific Northwest. Is is uh, is Cascadia like Washington's a border state? Is it not? What isn't a border state? Have you have you seen planes? You're a border state with In Canada, state? and Canada is, is an enabler of what? of the Sinaloa. How cartel. many people get across the borders via planes and stay in this country illegally? Well, how many are getting is it across? My the fault border? is the more uh, important question. Is it my fault? Uh, is it uh, my uh, desire? No, it was your desire to live in a border state. It's my well. It's maybe it is my desire, but it's also my home, and I'm here to fight for it. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, I think you know, the well, people in, uh, uh, the like people in Pacific Northwest Alamo. are going to the 
people in the Pacific Northwest do nothing. They do nothing to help the people on the border. They control nothing. In fact, they ask for more suppression. They ask for more open borders. Okay? If you're asking for more open borders... I am asking for more open borders because borders were written by white people. Okay. All right. Well, I am, I am not precisely white. Blotty is not precisely white. I can't speak for Nate. Well, I know, pretty but obvious. I'm pretty sure that a racist comment will come out eventually from at least Blotty. And that's why he gets canceled on shows. Is he says blatantly well, racist things. Well, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's um, presumptive to say that you should talk for the benefit of all based on the presumption that I'm a that fascist. Racism... This is a show about fascism, and Fauci has been fired. I'm running for the new fascism position on this show. I don't know what you are. You you migrate to to be oppositional every time. So I'm going to make this new caller, Charlie, the next caller. Go ahead, Charlie. Welcome to the program. Hi, can you hear me all right? I can hear you. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting point. That I think uh, kind of went over Joshua's head about the fact that we all live in border areas. I live in Southern California, and I actually personally worked on the border wall in 2020 down in That's Arizona. So I worked on the border wall project for a year, um, and I'll tell you what, almost the entire workforce was Mexican. And not just Mexican-American. I'm talking Mexicans from Phoenix and in Mexico. So, and a lot of them had no problem building the wall. Not only that, but a lot of the Mexicans in the towns right across the border would come watch us work. And when we'd leave, they'd, they'd take stuff, like take wood, take rebar. They'd take things that they needed. <laughs> I'm not surprised about any of this, by the way. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Oh, and they're fat people. They're just curious, and they don't have a lot of money. So it's to the point where we had to negotiate with them. Like, look, can you at least let the concrete cure before you pull all the rebar out and the and the and the and the wood? So they would, they so we'd kind of work a deal with them where we'd kind of throw stuff over to the other side so that they could have it. So in in exchange for them not messing. Up I don't know, wood. man. I here's the thing. I never thought the border wall would ever work. Now, if you if you get rid of the cartels, you don't need a border wall. You don't need one because they are telling people falsehoods about the migration system. They've created they've created the demand, the problem and the solution so that they can make money. Okay? The the narco cartels have have created an industry. They have narco leftists who knock over the government, blame over the local townships like the, they intimidate the mayor and corrupt all the local public officials they blame it on 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 those fascists in America they blame it on us and then they turn around and make it so unsafe with all the the warring gunfire that it pushes the populations out of their place and then you know the people who are not like sucked into gangs or gang industry you know are are herded towards the U.S. border, okay, and then you know they'll use them accordingly along the way, and it doesn't stop once they get here. After they get here, they end up in places like the Pacific Northwest, doing clandestine illegal grow operations, and being slaves on their farms to work down the damn you know narco debt to get over here, which is like you know anywhere between ten and and fifteen thousand dollars. So they're, contri- I mean, they contribute. It's like okay, so clearly the the drug problem. I mean, we have the demand, but they, I mean, the industry and the fact that it's just ruled by pure violence, right? And uh, mm-hmm. there's no uh, no rhyme or reason. So this is, you know, you could say legalize, but uh, it should know, be helping. It should, that it should, it should be legalized, help. in my opinion. I think we should yeah, legalize it should be, all drugs. Weed should be legalized but, for sure. Right, and and I don't I don't disagree. I don't think it should be criminalized, but I, I do think violence should be very much criminalized. And, violence already is think, criminalized. They're well, just not well, enforcing it. I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, Nate. Sorry. In human trafficking. I mean, clearly they're making that. They're exacerbating 
that problem. I mean, yes, if people are coming over here and they still owe a debt to these cartels and they have what recourse? I mean, put yourself in a, in a migrant or an illegal immigrant, whoever, whatever you want to call them, put yourself in their shoes. You're scared. All you want to do is be in America. You don't want to have to go back to Mexico, but you know, you're here legally. You don't speak the let, you know, you speak Spanish, but you don't speak English. You don't understand the system. So you have, you know, no recourse, right? And you, I mean, what, what are you going to do? If you say something, your family's dead or you're dead. And these people have no problem killing you. You're they, they have cattle. nothing. Yeah, they have zero, zero compulsion. They val- do not value human life. The right. only thing your they cattle. value is profit. Your it also doesn't help that you have banks like HSBC widening their cash deposit windows in Mexico so that the cartel <laughs> Thank you. First news item of the day that came from my news, you know, precipitated down from the... Can you send us a news I'm going to just punch that in. HSBC broadens um, Mexican reach. Okay, yeah, it's it's HSBC and that's the Hong Kong bank. Those That's the cartel bank for the Sunyong triads that we've covered so vociferously on this program. I want you to know, Charlie, that I read the entire book, Willful Blameness, because people would come onto this program and poo-poo the claim that there was drug laund- drug cash laundering going on in, in the, the quiet neighborhoods of, of Vancouver. Okay, they just didn't believe. They didn't believe. Okay? And even after I was done reading it, they were... they continued with the willful blindness because they were part of it and they insisted that you know in order to continue you know being willfully blind and doing nothing they they adjoined with political interests that were actually enabling this and they they weren't going to to change their predilection for their personal politics based on a few the actions of a few cartels god in those f- dumb flyover states, jeez, you know. So I, I think that it's really important, you know, all all representative, all represented here with the border state um, panel, that we recognize that these things are real, they are happening, and that fentanyl is being pushed into the neighborhoods, and that this is a fascist program. You know, the, the cartels could be a form of, you know. Parallel, but centralized government. What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, I, well, I agree with that statement. Those, the the link to fascism. I forgot that was even the topic. I, um, it we got it is. The I also, I think it's one last thing. Uh, I'll, I'm going to get off of here, but one last thing is I'd say that I think it's really funny that they're tr- uh, bussing all these migrants up to New York and to Washington, <laughs> D.C. Oh, it's Go hilarious. Ahead. I love them saying it's an but, emergency. It's an emergency. Oh, it's now it's Char- an emergency. All the stuff. Charlie, but yeah. but that but that's why he wants to do something now, because now the problem that was going to be in Texas is now his problem. The same thing in New York with uh, Mayor Adams. He won't say something derogatory, but deep down, when the cameras are removed. He says all sorts of nasty things, and he doesn't like it. But well, hey, it's a sanctuary city, right? Welcome them all. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but our homeless situation here in Albuquerque has become. I mean, it's it's incredibly bad. It's very very bad. It's become worse. My my sense is, of course, I don't have proof, but I'm guessing that that homeless are probably being bussed in from other states. And I don't blame those other states. I'm not actually angry at them. I'm I'm angry at my state for not coming up with some solution and just allowing it to proliferate. And I, I feel like any of these problems, you know, whether you're talking about the cartels in Mexico or, or homelessness and, and, you know, we we this country, we tend not to confront problems head on. It's like we're too afraid to really confront them we're too afraid to go to homeless people and say no we're gonna we're gonna make you go to rehab we're gonna make you get help for your mental health condition because you've been on the streets for 10 or 15 years you're not gonna do it yourself if we leave it up to you 
And, and that it was that is know, why Nate a, is going to become the first sponsor of the Amy Winehouse Rehab Institute. Institute. You know, wow. Because Amy Winehouse? They, yeah, she was going like, because she didn't want to go to rehab. No, no, no. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yes, that'll be the name. Sorry. That'll be, it'll be the Amy Winehouse <laughs> Institute sorry. for Drug Rehabilitation. <laughs> the a- I, Amy I, Winehouse. I thought- I thought I thought it would be more like the Oscar de la Hoya, but he's still alive because of, he's gotten into in and out of some of the best, like the Betty Ford, I think, clinic. Oh, and I then he's also gone. Yeah, he. I don't know if you've seen the, the one of his last videos where he's talking to Ryan Garcia, and he's all hooked. He literally went into that boxing ring as a manager, and in 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 you could tell you could tell he's on something. He's high on something. That's not his normal reaction. And I feel for that guy, but one of my buddies that, that does the Al-Anon and AAA, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous in Spanish, he told me, he's been with us. He goes, the, the thing is, the cameras are not seen. And he goes, whenever Betty Ford wasn't able to clean him up at $50,000, you know, which is nothing to him, they sent him over here with us. But the problem is he doesn't really want to do, get, get away from the drugs. He doesn't want to give them up. He loves being high. That's the bottom line. And... That's the reason of why he's uh, fa- failed in, in his marriage and all that. Because he likes to party, uh, get high, get stupid, and that's why you see him with different women. I mean, this guy's gone down. The guy's gone downhill morally, and he he was great a boxer in his time. You know, U.S. here in America, as an American, he made a lot of money, and he made a lot of money for the mafias and and you know, the corporation. But the problem with him is that he's a druggie. We ha- I had never heard or seen any of that, and it's common among boxers. You know, sad, but, drugs will change you. Drugs will change you. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you respond to things. Um, this is kind of a weird tie-over, but last night I was I was watching... Let, I mean, I know this is going to shock everyone, but I was watching Tucker Carlson on Fox News. I mean, I know that's just a huge shocking revelation, but... Um, but <laughs> and then... Um, so he was saying that someone he knew died of fentanyl. And so I was like, well, there's got to be a report of who he knew that died of fentanyl. And so I started looking for that for that report. And what came up was that Tucker Carlson himself ended up taking a, a, um, a panel of, of fentanyl in the hospital. And that he said that he did things he never ordinarily would do while he was on opioids. So there's a person... That people think is Mr. Clean that they see that's a that's a face that they see every night if they're watching the news, and you know he took a panel of fentanyl in the hospital for an emergency surgery and he told how it the experience um, was kind of transformative in in his behavior what it would do to him. So it, it's a trap. I think it's, that opioids well, are a trap. It's as as somebody who just—I mean, we've all seen effects, etc. But here in Albuquerque, drugs have always been a big problem because of our proximity to Mexico. Because of you know, you have a correlation with low income, and you know, just north of Albuquerque is actually the heroin capital of the country. It's—I mean, it's—it's it's that, that what, bad. What, what's the heroin capital of the country? Espanola, New, Espanola, New Mexico. Look it up. Um, I mean, it's, it's a generational problem there. It's really, really bad. And with fentanyl, uh, so you have the potency and then you have the, you know, it's relatively quick in quick out. And so that just like nicotine and cigarettes, you know, it, it primes the brain for addiction. I mean, there's so many things that are, it's really high relative to other opiate, other opioids in respiratory depression. So, um, that's another, you know, really bad thing about it. And therefore people will take the drug seeking the high and they'll get, you know, they'll get the respiratory depression. They won't get the euphoria they're looking for, but they'll take enough to kill themselves. And Whoa. that's what we see. That's what, and it's a profile of that drug. It's like the perfect drug. If you wanted to bring a country down to its knees, it's the perfect opioid. I, I mean, China had its own, its own opioid crisis back in the, in what was it the 1800s sure did yeah yeah and so it's it's um it's kind of their weapon of choice in a way in a backhanded way on the americas 
So um, with that, I have to wrap it. We've actually done this for an hour, if you can believe it. No. No, we got to go, man. But thank oh, you guys know, again man. for joining. Right. I mean, it's been you a pretty good room. It Love was talking to everybody room. here. Love you guys. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can act. Ancient Citizen Podcast.